0: up, everybody. Welcome to Ask the Candy, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am is CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com. And my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy, romantic relationships all around the world through self-love, soul connections, and sweetness. But before we get to that, we are here with our production partner, Solivity Magazine, and we are part of Solivity TV. And my Brian, who is the editor in chief of celebrity magazine how you doing brian
1: hello candy it's so good to be back
0: yay somebody just got back from an anniversary trip <laughs> a little bit a little, a, little, a little something something somebody just got back from sexy times so you know brian you get a pass if you're still feeling sexy or if you're still feeling like you're on vacation <laughs> you get a pass for this conversation but i do want to still have your input Right. But I I think it's going to be like sexy input. (laughs) What do you think about that? (laughs) So we're live here every Wednesday at 7 p.m. You can also watch us at Solivity.com on Solivity TV and subscribe to Solivity Magazine on YouTube so that you can be alerted whenever we go live. And don't forget to also subscribe to the audio broadcast, Ask for Candy on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you normally download your podcasts. If you're driving along in your car and you don't want to watch, you just want to listen. And you can email us at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com and leave comments and ask questions. And you know, I always address those in a later broadcast. Sometimes I use them as topics. And actually the topic tonight is somewhat of a, of a question that I was sent, which I'll share with you later. But for those of you who don't know, for almost nine years, I have been a relationship coach, a workshop facilitator, and am now a professional matchmaker with Talkified Dating Service. And if you've never heard of it, it's an amazing digital service where you can hire a matchmaker to do all the sifting and the vetting on your behalf. It's especially great for people who struggle with initiating contact or simply picking the right partner. Matchmaking and relationship coaching are my zone of genius. And the best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with people around the most intimate parts of their lives. I get to meet and nurture new clients. I get to screen possible dating candidates for them. I get to design programs and activities that deepen their ability to get to know each other. And most importantly, I get to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. I get to be the cause of self-love, soul connections and sweetness, honey. Yes, yes. Right? (laughs) So stick around because later on, I'm gonna be doing my matchmaker moment. And part of that is going to be introducing you to one of my latest clients. And as usual, I have a fantastic spotlight client, also very sexy. And if you're single looking to be matched, then you might be, uh, I don't know, it might be the one for you. So you might as well stick around until the end to find out, right? Tonight's topic. Matchmaker secrets. What are the exact questions that I ask to find out if you might be a match for my client? So, I did this is going to be a two parter, Brian, because I have a set of questions that I ask the men and a set of questions that I ask the women. Now, here's the thing I know that sound, all sounds very binary, but really, what it's about is that psychologically, uh, it, different genders answer questions in different ways and respond to certain things in different ways. So whatever you identify yourself as, if you date people who identify as men, these questions that I ask, whether you, you are cis male or identify as a man, these questions that I ask reach to the heart of that psychology. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. So I spend a lot of my days interviewing people to find out if they might be a match for my people. And I'm very much a mother hen when it comes to my clients. I look after them, I take care of them, and I make sure to know certain things about them. And you might even say that the people that I'm screening and I'm talking to, like I'm sort of predating them. <laughs> so almost all day, every day, I'm going on date after date after date to find out You know, I'm like first dating all day long to find out if, you know, this is somebody who is, first of all, ready for whatever kind of relationship my client is looking for, but also just, you know, has a a level of compatibility. And truthfully, it is a blast. I absolutely love it. It's so much fun. Partially, it's a lot of fun because there's zero pressure since the goal is to match them with someone else. (laughs) Cause you know how it is like with dating, you know, for some people they, they, you know, have gotten into the groove and they understand that dating is supposed to be fun and that they can just enjoy it. People who don't like quickly get attached to one after another tend to enjoy the dating process. Right but for those of us who do get attached quickly dating can feel like a lot of pressure because you know you're attached you're hoping that person's going to be the right one and it can be disappointment after disappointment because you you you're wanting them to be something so for what I get to do I don't have any attachment I'm just trying to find out if you're compatible and I'm not going to be the one who has to end up with you <laughs> So for me, it's a lot of fun to just, you know, have a no pressure way to just get to know vastly different people from all over the country who are like just really different from each other, but also dramatically very much the same because in the end we all want to be loved for exactly who we are and we want to be accepted and that's that's the baseline of just about everybody especially people who are on dating sites who you know who would come who I would come across on a site like Talkify so those of you who listen regularly you know that I talk about my matchmaker algorithm I have a special algorithm just like you know, Facebook has an algorithm, but I have a human algorithm. So there's three points that I'm always trying to hit. I'm always trying to align in order to make a connection between two people. It's core values, lifestyle, and physical attraction. And I think I've talked about this on the show before. So, you know, if you're if you're single and you're out there dating and think something is wrong with how you've been vetting, you're going to want to stick around for the whole show. And part 1, part 1 and part 2 Next week that we're going to do where we talk about the questions that I ask women, because I am going to share the questions that get me to understanding someone's core values, their lifestyle, and their physical attraction. And not only am I going to share with you the questions that I ask, I'm going to explain how I set these questions up so that it doesn't feel like it's a job interview (laughs) Because a lot of times people come off of a date and they feel like they've been on a job interview. And for those of you out, out there who have a list of questions that you like to ask on a date and you're you know, doing it like a, a list of bullet points, this might be really good for you. Because a lot of times, you know, we were talking about the pressure of dating in the first place, right? It doesn't feel comfortable when someone is like firing questions at you. What do you think about that, Brian? Have you ever been on a date before you were married? Were you ever on a date where someone was like coming at you with questions and it was like question after question?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like you felt like, again, like you were on an interview. Right. And it's like, okay, it's not romantic at all. Yeah. You know, there needs to be some kind of, you know, you know, interest, you know, in that, in that, Okay, you fit all these boxes, and then you can move on to the next stage, yeah. the next round. You know, like a game show.
0: Yeah, so. and it kind of shuts down your humanity a little bit. I feel like it. Oh yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. it almost makes you feel like a commodity. Like, okay, if you're gonna hit all my if you're gonna hit all my boxes or check all my boxes, then okay. But if not, it, you know, it makes you feel like you're they're trading for you or something. It doesn't feel right. So. Yeah. So there's a way you can ask questions. There's a way you can interact with a person on a first date or be with, be in the presence of a person and find out everything you need to know without, uh, you know, sort of a regimented way of, you know, just going down bullet points with actually, you know, leaving space for real communication with that person. And you never have to walk away wondering whether someone is worth getting to know better if there's certain questions that you know to ask and how to ask them. So setting up the questions. What makes it easiest for me, like when I'm on call after call after call, is that I, you know, I can just tell them honestly. They know what the call is about. They know why we're screening. So that does take a lot of the pressure off. You know, I'll tell them, I'm looking to find out if you match with my client. So I always say, I have a list of questions. I always say, there are no right or wrong answers. I always say, I have no personal judgments about your answers. And I also tell them the more authentic you are and the more you empower me to know whether you are a match for my client. Wow. Right? And I also tell them that people ask me, what do I mean by the questions? I don't mean anything. Whatever you make them mean is perfect. So I can tell them these things straight cause they know the business we're about. But when you're on a date, you can't be like, I have a list of questions. There are no right or wrong answers. (laughs) I have no personal (laughs) judgments about your answers because then all of a sudden you've set up like, you know, a formal interview, right? But you, there are things that you can do that actually provide that kind of space that, you know, me telling them straight out that, that provides them. So what I'm doing when I'm telling someone those things is I am giving them a safety bubble to be themselves. What I'm saying is that you have a free space here. You're going to be heard without judgment or criticism. I'm inviting you to talk about yourself. So I'm not going to like get annoyed with it. Like I'm here to listen to you talk about yourself and you know, you can share to the highest level that you're capable of. So once I, I run that down, that's what I'm, I'm doing in a structural way. Now, how do you do that in a way that is natural on a date, right? How do you do that in a way that like allows someone to open up? How do you create that in a conversation without having to set it up with matchmaker spiel? So here's what you do. Anybody who likes to date men or men, people who identify as men. First, leave your judgy perfectionist critic at home. <laughs> Right. First, leave your judgy perfectionist critic at home. Your judgy perfectionist critic does not belong on dates. And you know, I know a lot of people will say, "Oh no, I don't judge. Whatever, whatever." It's natural. We're all human. You know, when it comes to dating, we feel like we're vetting. We feel like that's what we're supposed to be doing. But if you can leave the judgy perfectionist critic who has all of these these things, these you know uh and I've talked about before the looking for the red flags and all of that stuff leave that person at home because that person is not going to uh cause you workability as far as dating is concerned that part of you is not going to help you right um even though we think it like we're so convinced that we we need to go on dates with our criticism like it's like, like the criticism is at the head of the table I don't know what that's about but it does not help us in any way. So leave the judgy perfectionist critic at home. Listen actively. So that's number two. If you listen actively when you're interacting with this person, and by actively, I mean not just waiting to talk, you will energetically give that person a sense that what they have to say is gonna be received, right? So you're giving them that safety bubble. You're giving them that space to go ahead and and be who they are and say what they wanna say. Uh, Number three, heal any inclination to emotionally attach too quickly beforehand. So I was talking earlier about how sometimes it can feel like the pressure is on with dating. And sometimes people struggle with dating because there's this inclination to emotionally attach to what the date is supposed to be. So if you're someone who can date, go on dates and just know that It's in that moment. You're going to enjoy that moment. It's not about whether this person is your soulmate or your forever person. Yes, you're dating because the ultimate goal is that you want to partner up, but if you attach yourself to every single date that you have or every first date that you have in the hopes that they're the one, they're the one, they're the one, it's counterintuitive to actually being able to leave them space to show you who they are. So you want to be working on in between dates. You want to be working on healing any inclination to emotionally attach too quickly to any one person. And for those people who are dating online, like on the apps, a lot of times you get to see you know a picture and a profile, things that they've written, and you might have some interaction before you go on the first date. See, with Talkify and with matchmaking, what we do is we match people blind, so they never get to see a picture beforehand. You know they. Yes. I mean, that, and you know, that takes something. I have to hand it to my clients. I have to hand it to anybody who, who endeavors their dating this way. I think it's smart because if you're willing to give up the trust and, you know, flow with how it can go and let someone else sort of vet for you, I think that you have um, increased your chances of being able to have more positive experiences, but. This is
1: like, this is like the, uh, uh, You've Got Mail for Real. <laughs> y-
0: yes, it is. Oh, yeah, that was with what they were like emailing each other and they didn't know who each other were and then they finally yeah. met but then didn't like each other before they knew who each other was. Is that what the story yeah, was with the, that? The,
1: um, Tom Hanks and uh, what's the,
0: Meg what's the Ryan. Name?
1: Yeah, Meg Ryan. Uh, she had the bookstore and he. You know, his company put her out of business. And so that was the dislike.
0: But yeah. i remember
1: remembering the one line that Tom Hanks said before he met her. uh uh-huh. That he said um, she, could, uh, she could look like a mailbox and I would be a fool to not spend the rest of my life with her.
0: Wow. Because they'd um, had interactions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing. I mean, the way we do it, our system, you don't even have that you don't, there's no interactions. There's no seeing of any pictures. You know, there's, you, you know, I'll sell them on some details. Like when I talk to my client, you know, I found this great match for you and they fit this, this, and that, and they're really great. But I only tell them general details because if you tell specifics, then people can Google each other. And so, you know, we don't want people Googling because it just like with online dating, it's like, we see a picture of a person and we have some details from their profile. And then we start, uh, m- making up the rest, like filling in the holes and making up who we think this person might be or, um, you know, writing a story about them or we start dreaming about what could be possible. All those things that we do to sort of like flesh out what it is we don't know. Whereas when we know minimal, minimal information, we kind of have to jump in, just kind of jump in and see what it's like.
1: Wait. <laughs>
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you know, that, that can be daunting. You know, I don't take it lightly. Sometimes my, my clients, you know, I, I do crack the whip a little and I'm just, you know, I'll just be like, just go and see. And you can ask all the questions on the date, like, you know, cause they want more and more information from me. And I'm like, no, I want you to just go and find out. Like I've done my vetting, but I say that also being in full understanding how nerve wracking it could be to be someone who is normally in control of, you know, most of your life. And now you're, you're completely out of control and you're going to meet a person who is supposed to be possibly a romantic interest and it's completely blind and you don't know what's going to happen. And some of them are, are amazing because they'll go on these dates where they like, you know, go to a nice restaurant, spend real money. I mean, they, you know, they're putting themselves out there, uh-huh. you know, and I, I, I acknowledge them for that. But I think there's still an important thing with, you know, like I said, the inclination to emotionally attach too quickly. It's a fine line that we walk because I do think it's good. I always preach about, you know, looking for the positives and trying to focus on what is good about that person and trying to see something in that person when you're on a first date to see whether you'd want to get to know them better. But the balance has to be that you don't uh you know because i like this about you i'm claiming you <laughs> wow <laughs> which is what a lot of us do emotionally even when we don't necessarily admit it i think um you know we'll like something about someone or you know especially if we're attracted physically attracted to them right away and then there's this certain level of like really wanting to to make sure they like us too and so, the, you know, it becomes very pressureful. There's a lot of attachment that starts to happen. So that, won't, that attachment won't help you be able to have a conversation that um, creates a safe bubble for the other person because you'll be too busy worried about how that person views you when you're attached to them being the one. So if I'm not attached to you being the one, I just think you're a nice person, I see some nice things about you, I'm still, uh, my, my head is still screwed on straight enough that I can have a conversation with you that, um, allows me to, to get to know you even better and to know who you actually are. And I can create a safe bubble for you, mm-hmm. right? Cause I I'm not, like
1: I mean, I like that a lot, you know, you're going in, trying to go in for clean slate.
0: Yeah, that's, I love that for, that's one of my favorite phrases, the clean slate, like clean, clean slate and open for whatever it's going to be and letting whatever it's going to be, be okay. Cause if it turns out they're not the person for you, that's not a bad thing. Like we always, Oh, that date was so disappointing. He wasn't my soulmate. No, you're, he's part of your journey. You know, he's part of your practice or she's part of your journey, part of your practice. So yeah, I love that you said that, Brian, cause it's totally clean slate. So then the other thing you want to do in order to be able to have a safe bubble conversation is be willing to authentically allow them to the space to be who they are, knowing that it won't have any effect on your life unless you are actually a match for each other. Right. So, you know, this goes back to
1: one more time. I I want to make sure people get that. I'm typing these in. Are you
0: typing them in? Mm -hmm. Authentically allow them the space to be who they are knowing that it won't have any effect on your life unless you're actually a match for each other. I'm waving at the people on Facebook too, on the watch party. Yeah. I mean, whatever it is about them on a first date, it has, it has no bearing on your life. <laughs> so sometimes we get upset because, you know, there's certain things about them that we're like, uh, You know, like I'm a dog person. So if I find out on a first date that he doesn't like dogs, that, that, you know, whoever I'm out on a date with is not a dog lover, I can still enjoy myself. (laughs) Right. Right? Right. Oh
1: my God, I can't be
0: with a dog hater. Yeah. Even somebody who, you know, has different politics than I do. And we'll talk about that later because politics in these polarizing times has become a big compatibility issue as well. But let's say I go out on a date and um, you, know, I, you know, I don't like to get political on this show, but his politics are completely different than mine. As long as he's not spending the whole date trying to convince me so, of something or, or mad at me or yelling at me about what his politics are and we move on to something else, I can still enjoy myself on the date. <laughs> yeah. You know? You
1: may, you may find that, you know, the differences may be, you know, additive.
0: Exactly. I might end up learning something or, you know, and even if they are, like we are in crazy times. And even if they are vastly, vastly different from mine and the person is doing things that I, that I don't align with core value wise, like that is fine on a first date. There's no pressure for them for them to be exactly what you want them to be in order for you to get out of a first date what we are there to get out of it, which is an opportunity to get to know someone a little bit. I love that. That's a really good one. Right? So, yeah, like, like, what was it that I was saying in my notes? I can still enjoy our time together, get to know him as a human, even if that's a deal breaker for someone I would want to marry or partner with. But the thing is, if I say that to myself, I can get to know you as a human, even if whatever it is about you is a deal breaker for a a husband, I might discover in my willingness to get you, get to know you as a human, that there are much more special things about you that override whatever that flaw is.
1: Wow.
0: Right? So let's say you're, you're someone who doesn't like dogs. Like I said, for me, if I'm dreaming of my husband, he, he's gotta be somebody who likes dogs. I love dogs. I'm always going to live with dogs. <laughs> right? <laughs> However,
1: the four legged variety.
0: The four legged variety. <laughs> exactly. I don't need I don't need any two legged dogs. However, if I were to meet somebody and got to know them and there were a lot of really special things about them that, that, you know, match with my core values or aligned with who I was, then he could possibly override that flaw in his character <laughs> that he doesn't like dogs. What do you mean he don't
1: like dogs? <laughs>
0: right? and- I might never fully trust him because I don't fully trust people who don't like dogs. <laughs> I'm
1: reminded to... I'm- I'm- Candy, you
0: all five. Thank me? you, honey. Thank you. Yeah,
1: this is this is these are good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm reminded of the win-win pro, uh, principle. Yeah, I love the, the win-win principle that you that you you know strive to have a win-win. Yes. And you can't get to that understanding if you don't allow if you don't allow the person that you're with to see them from a humanistic standpoint. Yes. Um, And then seeing you that same way, because like you said, like the dogs thing, and maybe at that moment in time, they don't like dogs or maybe they don't like dogs at all.
0: Yeah. Or maybe they had a bad, a bad experience and are afraid. And, and, you know, yeah, correct.
1: Correct. And so there may be some middle ground that's there. Yeah. You know, Maybe he's a cat person and you're a dog person and maybe it's like, well, if we have a cat and a dog, then that can work. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, there's, I love that. I love the fact that you're bringing that, that humanistic quality to the date, and not this be the, the, the fantasy, right? Where you meet somebody, one you know, one unchanted evening, right? <laughs>
0: Of the stranger. stranger. And that kind of thing. Exactly. And you look
1: across the room and pow. Yeah. You know, it, you know, you walk out and get married the next day. You, you know, you hit up Jarrett's on the way home to the uh, to the apartment.
0: Right. Wow. Right.
1: Yeah, I love it. So I just wanna say that. I, I, I that that really touched me.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you, honey. But that's the thing, the thing that you're pointing at and you know, it's something that I touch on a lot, is this idea that the reason that we date, the reason that we have romantic lives, the reason that we even do any of this stuff is is for the sake of loving someone else. And so we we are so conditioned to believe that it's how is this person going to benefit me? Love me, give me what I want. But the point of it all is that I've given, my, I give myself what I want as far as love is concerned. I'm ready to give to someone else. That's why we, we get into partnerships. I wanna give to someone else. I wanna provide, uh, you know, what it is that is inherently natural for me, whether it's, you know, my feminine energy or my affection, my creativity, what I can give to that other person. And for someone who's more masculine energy, I wanna provide uh, that safety, that certainty, that decision-making, that drive, for that person because i know, you know, i'm i'm filled with it. So, you know, this all of this stuff points to the creating of that safe bu- bubble of acceptance. You can you can be in the practice of giving that to people even if you don't feel like they're your long-term person because what you're practicing is your ability to express love and it's okay to express love to someone who you're not going to be with forever right? And that doesn't mean that you have to get naked with them or anything like that. It's just, you're another human being. So I'm in the practice of expressing love. And that's what dating is. That's my dating life. Practicing loving people. <laughs> wow. Right? I love that. Yeah. Like love begats love. Love begats love. That's why I love my job so much because, you know, especially during this pandemic, one thing I find is that people get on these screenings and you know it, whether they've been lonely or isolated or not or with their family they haven't had anybody to talk to or they don't get a regular opportunity to talk about themselves and where they're at and what they're feeling right so i'm not saying that you have to go on the date with the expectation that you're doing all the giving and they don't have to do anything else they don't have to you know offer that to you as well What I'm saying is that when you have two people who are of the intention that they are there to overflow, then you're going to more likely have a loving experience and it may or may not go on forever, but it's going to be a positive experience as opposed to a negative experience. If you are the only person who's in that giving space, then enjoy it, have fun with it, overflow with the love that you have, and then move on to somebody who can meet you where you're at. You know, but there's no pressure for each person to be able to know how to do that. Like, your, your thing is to be in practice of expressing love until you get to a point where you're practicing with just one, if if that's what you want, if that's what your ultimate goal is, right? So, yeah, I could I could go off on tangents, honey. I could be on my soapbox about that. So... <laughs> So yeah, we're still creating the safe bubble. So if you're not, you're not doing the matchmaker spiel like I am, another thing to do is, um, to go on the date knowing that, like I was just talking about, you're going to generate the experience you want to have. So all those positive emotions that you want to feel, don't, don't expect that person to be the generator of those emotions. And I see it so often. You see it on television shows, especially like reality shows, like people talk about dating, the way people approach dating. Well, you know, he didn't open the door for me. And he didn't do this. And, you know, I just, I need this. And I want him to take me out. And There's nothing wrong with wanting to be treated nice and to have a certain level of standard when it comes to that. But when your intention is to go on the date and not be happy unless someone meets your expectation, you're not providing a safe bubble for them. And if you're not providing a safe bubble, you can almost guarantee that what you're going to get is their representative and you're coming with your expectations. And, and in your expectations, you're probably bringing your representative because you're trying to be whatever you think you need to be in order to get him to do whatever it is you want him to do. And it becomes something completely different. We don't get to authentically know each other. We get to do what most people do, which is date and expect
1: repeat that one one more time. I don't
0: know if I can. I re- I created it in the moment. <laughs> but I could I can I can summarize it. So number 5, generate the experience you'd want to have rather than hoping that the person is going to spark your pro- positive emotions. I've, you know, now that I know that you note know them, Brian, I'm going to make them less wordy. I'm very wordy with them. Oh, be wordy. It's okay to be you, wordy. Be you. That'd be me. I'm, I'm, I'm authentically
1: letting you be who you
0: are. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you for overflowing <laughs> onto me. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, so number five, generate the experience you want to have. And, you know, often we think the the other person is supposed to make that experience for us. But no, that's not that's not what dating is about. Number six, fit the questions into the conversation. So the questions that I'm going to share with you, the questions that... Uh, You should be asking the man that you are dating to find out about who he is. You want to fit them into the conversation. Like I was talking about earlier, don't just run them down like a checklist because that's very icky and uncomfortable on a date. You want to, you know, have a little finesse with it and not in a manipulative way. Just actually leave space for exchange. And, you know, if he's talking back or maybe asking you questions as well, don't be on an agenda about it. Just see what you can fit in as far as, you know, what makes sense in the conversation. And once I share these questions with you, you'll understand how they can fit into a very um, enlightening, smooth conversation with someone that you're getting to know. Yeah. So we feel like, are we ready for the, you know, I think we should maybe take a commercial. Do we want to yeah, do a commercial I before a commercial I do them? Let them wait. Yeah. I'm going to let y'all hang on the cliff a little bit. And when we come back, I am going to run down the secret matchmaker questions that I ask the boys for you ladies out there. And for those of you who date men who identify as men, the questions you want to ask to psychologically get to know them, to get them to deep dive and to share who they are with you from from the little safe bubble that you're going to create for them. All right. We'll be back. Right, B? right now? <laughs> What's up, everybody? We're back. And we're ready for the <laughs> secret matchmaker questions. The questions that I ask in order to get to know these men before I match them up with my clients and the questions that... Wait, wait.
1: I've been waiting for
0: these. Are girls. you excited, Brian? Because mm-hmm,
1: I want to I, I make sure they're the right questions. No, well,
0: I want you to make sure they're the right questions. And you know what? I want to invite all my my men out there to also, you know, if you have something to say about it, if you're feeling like, nah, girl, you need to adjust that question. <laughs> or not ask it at all. <laughs> Right. (laughs) But I will say like, cause you know, I've probably interviewed hundreds of men and it's amazing how, how much opening up there is around these questions. And like I said, once that structure of a, of a safety bubble has been created, you know, how forthcoming men will be about stuff that usually you guys keep pretty close to the vests. Yeah, we, we,
1: well, we're taught to be that way. Yes, I agree. We're taught to be that way. It's not, you know, so ladies, it's not something that um, we we're, we just, or oh, we, we want to, but we just don't. No, we're taught to not be emotionally
0: open. Yeah, I totally get that. And I think that's why the psychology of these questions works the way that it does is because that's the case. So this is, there's some questions that are similar for when I'm screening women, but for the most part, I have a, that's why I have a different set of questions because, you know, as women, yes, we are taught that we can be more emotional, but there's also a different psychology to how we open up too, especially, you know, women these days, (laughs) a lot of us are in our very masculine energy. So, yeah. <laughs> but That's for next week. That's next week's show. This week, we're talking about the questions. So, here's the very first question. So, let me lay it down for you again really quickly. I always tell them um that I have a list of questions to ask and I'm going to be asking questions so they know build my my matchmaker safety bubble. I always say there's no right or wrong answers. I have no judgments on the answers. And um, the more authentic and forthcoming they are, the more they empower me for the match. So, you know, like I explained earlier, just as a recap, you can provide that safety bubble without actually saying those things, just by not being attached to the outcome and being willing to leave your judgment and and you know perfectionist at home. If you're willing to do those sorts of things, you can be in a relaxed conversation with someone um, and ask them questions without, uh, any sort of impediment. They don't, they don't start to worry about whether you're going to get angry. They don't have to, uh, show up as their representative. They can just go ahead and share with you because it feels like a safe space where you're not trying to force something out of them. And if they don't want to answer, it's okay too. If they don't, you know, cause that no answer is an answer as well. <laughs> uh, yes. Please. Right. So the very first question, and,
1: and you, can, and then you can practice the, uh, the whole thing
0: of disappearing. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, exactly. first question. The first question is, what is your relationship with your word? Or how do you describe your relationship with your word? So the reason that I specify with this question, especially, like, I don't mean anything by the question. Whatever you make it mean is what it means. Is that people have different interpretations of what it means, what their word means. So some people will go straight to Christianity and the Bible and the word, right? And that's what they'll start to talk about, which is indicative of, you know, what's on their mind, what they what they prioritize. And if if you're someone who also prioritizes that, then great, right? So if you're someone who is interested in someone being a uh, Christian and being very connected to their religion and that's sort of their go-to when you ask them an integrity question and that's what you want to match with then if that's what they start talking about and that's how they interpret that question, then there's, there's probably a little bit of core value, you know, obviously religious matching in there for you if that's what you're going for too. But a lot of times, more often than not, people will go straight to, do I keep my word? Which is what that question is really uh, deeply about, right? So in, it's an integrity and responsibility question. So a lot of times when you ask a guy that question, he'll talk about, um, he'll say, my word is my bond. My word is my bond is something that I feel like 90% of men say, (laughs) even the ones where it's not true. (laughs) So he'll go right to my word is my bond. But then he'll also talk about um, what he's like at work. So first of all, you find out if he has a job or not, right? They go go right... (laughs) They go, oh, right. <laughs> but it's true. You find out if it's he true. has a job, it goes right to what he's like at work and what he's like is at work usually represents generally, you know, what he's like as a person, like the, his integrity. Like if he's like someone who, you know, if I give my word, if I give a handshake, if I give a promise, I 100% have to follow through. I'll move heaven and earth to make sure to follow through. Or if I can't follow through, I communicate you know, a lot of times that's, that's where they'll go. And that's an, uh, an ideal place for them to go. If, if you're, you're, I'm someone who's very present to the integrity piece, right? Like I, I wouldn't want to be with someone who their actions and their words didn't align. I've done that before. I'm not interested in doing that anymore. So if he goes there and he can, he can be specific about where he shows up in his word then the chances are pretty good that you're dealing with someone who understands integrity. Even though he may not always be in integrity, none of us is always in integrity, right? But you can get an idea if he understands that. So he'll also bring up his kids if he has any kids. Um, And also whether he can be trusted not to lie or whether he even knows lying is an unworkable thing. Like all of that stuff will come up around that question. Yeah. Don't you think so? Like if I were to ask you, Brian, what is your relationship with your word? I mean, you don't have to like go into a full answer, but if I were to ask you that question, like, like, what does that make you go to first? What does it make you think of first?
1: Well, um, my relationship with my word. So my, my thought process would immediately go to, you're talking about your word, um, specifically like if I give you my word, if I give you you're talking about honesty. What yeah. does honesty mean to me? Yeah. Um, and it's multidimensional.
0: Yeah. So I would say that, you know, me being a man of integrity
1: uh, is one of the core foundational aspects of how I live my life.
0: Yeah. Period. Awesome. Period. Yeah. So that's... Being the... a
1: man of integrity.
0: Yeah. I love it. That's awesome. So yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff you want to hear from somebody when you ask that question, right? That that's where they go. They they they, you know, get to where they're like this is who I am. That it's very important to me. So, the next question, how do you describe your relationship with money? Now, this is why I say if you're on a date, you're doing this conversationally. You can't bullet these questions cuz then it's almost like it's it feels like an interview like if I'm doing a screening but you can, you can get that question in. Like, how do you feel about money? You know, how are you with money? Because when you ask a man a question like that in a safety bubble, it speaks, right. It speaks directly to how they view and value themselves and what they value in their lives. So what they will often tell you is, you know, a lot of times they'll say, I have a love hate relationship with money. Um, You know, I believe it's a tool, for, for freedom and things that I want to do, or they'll tell you what they spend their discretionary income on, Mm. which lets you know what they value.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if it's that they invest in art or they're investing their money, you know, in real estate or they're looking to save in order to to, um, be able to provide for a family or if they have a lot of hobbies and things that they love to do. And this is not to judge who they are or why they do it or any of that. It's just to get to know them, right? And get to learn what we spend our discretionary income on says a lot about what we value and, you know, what's, what's most important to us. I interviewed a guy the other day, he's 33 years old, super in shape, ex-athlete. And I said, what do you spend your discretionary income on? He said, the gym and protein shakes. So you get to understand (laughs) Where a person's at in their lives based on what they're spending their extra money on. Right? And it's not to judge them. It's just to find out. It's just to know. uh, that. I know it's getting lit. This hour goes by so fast, right? Also, with money, the money question with men, you get to find out whether they consider themselves relationship ready.
1: Ooh, that's,
0: yeah. Right? Because a lot of times with men... Yeah. If their money is not together and they may or may not admit that their money is together, but if they say, you know, they'll, they'll indicate like whether money is something that they're masterful at or money is something that they're struggling for a little bit. Like if you see signs of that, you'll get to kind of tell whether they're, they're ready for relationship. If they're relationship minded, if they're thinking about the possibility of providing for a family, I know that that's old school and traditional, but I I think biologically men still kind of go there. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. yeah. And we're
1: still. That's still an evolution. Right. One quick thing about this one too. Sure. it's such a great question. Sure. The way it's framed, especially if you're in the safety bubble.
0: Yes, you're in the um, safety bubble.
1: Um, when men, when you ask this question of a man, and they're giving you certain details,
0: mm-hmm. they're
1: giving you certain hints too about. Who they are and the support that they that they would need to even if they don't have a lot of money now, there could be reasons like like for instance, my dad had just got custody of me and my brother. Yeah. So his money was being spent on us.
0: Yeah. Yes.
1: Value family and taking care of his. Parents. Yes. Now, if that is not a very specific sign about what kind of man that person is, then you may be missing the boat.
0: Right. <laughs> because, no, you're right.
1: Because what he needed was support. He needed a helpmate. Yeah. Uh, and, and just in terms of just money, but the but the foundational thoughts around money was that it's a tool to support the family in moving to be better.
0: Yes. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. You know, so,
1: so I just wanna make, make sure that that, you know, it's not about just the quantity or
0: anything. Yeah, like it's you know, exactly it's not about the amount at all, or whether they're big balling or or spending a whole lot, because that's not what you're looking for when you ask that question. It's exactly what you pointed to, Brian. Does he say, "Yeah, I'm," you know, "I take care of my kids," or? You know, uh, a lot of, I've had a lot of single dads who say, you know, I provide my kids experiences or their education or whatever, like, you know, my family, I spend on my family. I like taking trips with, you know, uh, my extended family, my mom, dad, I got siblings and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, it speaks to core values, right?
1: Absolutely. Where they're core putting me I think that's the point that I love why I love that the way that question is phrased because it reveals what the core values are in connection with money and things yeah because men think don't men typically connect money with things yeah typically higher level is it's a tool
0: yeah yeah no absolutely i I
1: know we're running out of time
0: yes i know There's only a few more questions, but it's like this hour do, does go by so fast. So another one you can ask is how do you define purpose? So if you ask a man, how do you fi- you define purpose? First of all, it's good to be coming from a place yourself where you have a definition for it. And you have a definition that you feel connected to. Like you feel purposeful, you, you understand what purpose means to you. And then you, when you ask that question, you get to find out if there is alignment with how he feels about purpose or if you can learn something new or is there some other perspective some other way to look at it and you know that can can be a, a a motivation or an inspiration for further conversation of getting to know each other but you get to find out whether he's up to things in his life does he set goals does he understand because some people think purpose is set just setting goals which it's not but it's okay if that's what they think and that that has them in action right if they if they understand that there needs to be a why for why I, why do i get up in the morning why do i go to work why do i you know do what i do is it because i want to be the best father i want to be the best you know husband one day because i want to whatever it may be then he understands, you know, sustainability and longevity. He understands that we don't just do stuff for no reason. Because if I'm just walking around doing whatever is impulsively in front of me, there's—I mean, there's nothing wrong with me if I'm doing that. But there's no sustainability in that, right? That has no certainty to it. So no, you, no, no. right? So you want to ask him how he defines, it. you know, what does purpose mean to you? How do you define it? You want to ask him what he's passionate about what does he truly care about? When you ask, what are you passionate about? It's, it's close to how do you spend your money? How do you spend your discretionary income? But when you ask them what they're passionate about, then you get to sort of like open up the well of male emotion. Not that you're trying to get him to cry or anything like that. <laughs> right. But if you want him to share like, like the things that are important to him that he truly does care about. And sometimes those are, you know, hobbies. Maybe he has like a motorcycle in the garage and you know, I ladies, I know this can sound crazy or maybe it doesn't sound crazy to you. I do think that for men, a lot of their, their decompression, a lot of their, their self-acceptance, their self-care comes from having something that they do or create like some sort of thing that is, uh, uh, It can be an accomplishment when it's complete, you know, whether it's that they're doing carpentry or they're, they've got some side hobby, some sort of adventure thing that they do. Like, I think activities like that tend to be self-care for men, whereas, you know, and maybe for us too, but a lot of times we like to go to the spa and, you know, pamper ourselves and stuff like that. I think men tend to want to be doing, or they tend to want to be involved in things like whether it's social justice or, you know, things like that. I'm not saying women don't want to. I'm saying that if you want to get to a man's emotions, what he truly cares about, ask him what he's passionate about and what he's up to, right? What do you think about that, Brian? You think so too? Absolutely and you and you can learn a lot about how like how a man like however he prioritizes his main loves and his passions right cuz i get some guys especially older guys that'll be like oh i love you know paddle boarding but i don't you know i work all the time now i don't go anymore so i get to learn that about the, that that's where you're at right exactly exactly yeah.
1: i think this is a again this is a really good one uh because it also Passion, purpose, um, you know, high quality living. These are all higher level concepts. Yeah. And that if you're a woman who has, or or a man, um, who have thought about um, where do I fit in this world, you need to ask this kind of question. Yeah. Because, you know, um, you're definitely looking for someone who... Um, not necessarily can purely articulate all of it because we're all growing and learning. But you want to know the depths of that person, and if they could just be or do anything, what would that be?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. That's and that's the visionary stuff.
1: Reveals who that person is.
0: Yeah, yeah, Hmm. the visionary stuff, right? Then another one you can ask is, what is that person's personal take on gender roles? So, you know, we have everything from very traditional to very progressive. Everybody else falls somewhere in between. So if you want to get to know a person, ask them what they think about gender roles, where they're at with it, and have no attachments or judgments on however they feel about it because there's a cap for every bottle. Uh, my my friend, Sahus, hi, Sahuspeet, she's on. She says, asking a man what he is passionate about, the answer allows a man to go deeper. Yes, Sahuspeet, thank you for that, my love. Exactly, it allows him to go deeper. But yeah, when it comes... Hi, so. All right, now, when it comes to gender roles, like, um you know, and I always preface this question by saying some people have a social overview about what they think is right about gender roles socially but then there's also our preference in a relationship. Like I believe in equal rights for all genders, but in a relationship, I prefer a man who is a leader, someone that I can submit to. That's what I like in a relationship. Very different, right? (laughs) And I'm not, and when I say submit, I'm like, I'm not saying I need to be his sex slave. I still want to be able to have what I have. Well, maybe sometimes. I still want to have what I have as far as my own accomplishments but (laughs) I'm very clear that I like a traditional structure when it comes to that. Like I, you know, I want to be with a man who like has the strength to lead and someone that I'd want to submit to and follow. I'm not saying that every woman should have that or want that, but I believe that it's important to ask that question to know if he's the cap for your bottle or vice versa. I think,
1: I think that that is very, 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 very important.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: Um, Because my guess is too, Candy, while that is true for you, Mm -hmm. my guess is what's also true is you probably want a man who, when there are times at which you need to lead, that he understands it as well and will quote unquote submit to your power. Because there's things you're going to be able to do better than him. Yeah. there's things that he's going to do better than you or be able to lead better or at different points in time. Yeah. And that's that recognition of power,
0: right? You know what it it is, Brian? I love that you're saying that because that's true. And I'll tell you this, because I believe that my power is in my feminine energy and there's nothing that turns me off more. And this rarely happens. And I don't even mean this as I'm not being braggadocious, but when I'm like deeply in my feminine energy, I feel like any man who I am associating myself with I, I can get them to do whatever I want. <laughs> and I'm not trying to brag, because I think this is true of all women. Like, I feel like when we tap into this power, <laughs> so when I meet, and I have dealt with, right? like a year, about a year or so ago, I dealt with this guy who was just like, unable to be influenced in any way. Like he wouldn't try any new foods. He didn't like anything that was out of his scope. You know, like he like my feminine energy wasn't effective to him, like my coaxing or even uh, seductiveness, even though I didn't get a sense that it was because he didn't like me because he kept wanting to go out and calling and all of that stuff. But he just was really hard. Like he just you know, there was no he was unmovable. Right. And I'm not someone who has to control or make anybody do anything. But I that for me is a is a uh, makes me disinterested if I feel like like you can't be with my feminine energy and flow with that. And I and you're what you're saying is right. I feel like that's where where for me, my my leadership is, is when someone um, understands and accepts my flowing energy, and then because I really believe that it's the submissive that's in charge, and that's a whole we could do a whole nother show oh, on dominance oh, and submission, oh, oh. right? Yeah, I, <laughs> I, get, I, I get you that ability I get, to flow, yeah. I think, I think that's true. I think that, that,
1: the, that the, the, the characteristics that we give to energy mm-hmm. sometimes do are, are, are
0: inaccurate, yeah, you know, yeah, submission. It's like you know, um, what is it um,
1: in the in the tradition of the of the of the Tao mm. right? Where submission is is power is one of the most powerful positions. It
0: really is. <laughs> it's you know, a very powerful right? position. Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, bl- 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 blades of grass actually bend to hurricane force winds and yeah. remain after that. Yeah, that, if that's not power. I don't know what is. So you know.
0: Right. Hey, what? Yeah. Keep it going. We could do it. We could do a whole show about submission. I mean, even in the training Let's of. Right. We should. We'll do we'll do one. Even in the training of my dog, I notice if I'm very resistant to to his resistance in the training process, as soon as I submit to it, he gives in. Right, and I'm not comparing him to a human man by any stretch of the imagination. But it, for all of us, it's feminine flow—that ability to flow—that actually gives us the power. It's not right. the the, the rock heartedness. It's not the strength and the strong, you know, the standing in it. That's not what is what is the most powerful.
1: And it's all in—it's all in nature. It's what all breaks, in nature. What breaks the boulders down to the, pow- to the powdery sand? Yeah. Consistent wave action.
0: Absolutely. It's Absolutely. Not like
1: this beat, beating, 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 beating all at once. It's this continual soft power.
0: Yeah. But yeah, we need to do that. We okay. need to do that. Okay. So, the next question, like I said, the algorithm is core values, lifestyle, and physical attraction. So, I have to ask this question, and I feel like you can ask someone this question on a date and don't be attached to it. Ask them what they like when it comes to physical appearance. What do they tend to go for? And they may or may not describe you. And if they don't describe you, that's okay. <laughs> don't get your feelings hurt. Don't get your panties in a bunch. Like if, you know, if they're, if they're being mean about it, then that's one thing. Then you just know that they're not the right person for you. Right. But if they say, oh, you know, normally I go for someone who, you know, like I'm, I'm five, eight, I'm a pretty sturdy, you know, semi-athletic girl. If they say, oh, I normally go for someone who's, you know, five, two, a size one or, you know, whatever my feelings aren't going to be hurt. They're just, you know, what they physically tend okay. to like is different than, than, you know, what I am. But it's good to know that because when you ask that question, they also go into like sexuality type stuff. And I'm not saying you want to rev up on a first date, some big <laughs> sex conversation, right? But at least you open the door that that is, that is, you know, in the, the romantic realm of things, right? So what do you tend to go for? What do you usually like? In a safety bubble, a man will tell you all kinds of things when you ask him that question. Oh, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, I mean, like they're like, oh, whoa, what do you want to need to? What do you need to know? Let's order another
0: round. Yeah, exactly. They'll tell you whether they like big butts, big booties, big big boobs, you know, height. All of Skin color, all of the above, or they'll get very like lofty about it, and they'll say, "Well, you know, I do like a pretty face and a nice smile, but if she has good energy, which when guys tell me that, I almost, you know, I usually feel like they're just saying that because I'm a woman, but <laughs> but you know, that's not fair. I do think that there there are men who actually. Uh, understand that energetically someone can be very attractive or that they become more attractive depending on their energy. But it's a good question to ask somebody on a first date just to see, you that's know, cause, a very, very, very good question. right. A lot of times we walk away from a first date wondering, was he even attracted to me? Yeah. And then the very last one, like I mentioned earlier in these polarizing times, it, it is not a good idea on a first date to necessarily get into a big politics and religion conversation. They always say, that's what you need to avoid. The reason they say that's what you need to avoid is because we are so emotionally attached to it. So this one I only recommend if you can actually emotionally detach. And I'll tell you the truth, out of the hundreds of people that I've interviewed in the past, I would say seven seven or eight months, hundreds of people, I would say 90% of them are moderate. Like we have this idea based on the media, based on social media, based on the internet, that all of America is either right or left. Extreme right or extreme left? And I don't believe that that's true. I think more so than anything, most people out there are moderate and in the middle. And if we're willing to just have a conversation that doesn't, um, that we're not attached to someone thinking the way that we think or answering the way that we want them to answer, then it's not a big deal to ask someone if they have any deal breakers when it comes to politics and religion. You don't necessarily have to ask them what their whole dogma is. Or if they start to tell you their whole dogma, which they will sometimes do, if you don't agree with it, who cares? It's a first date. (laughs)
1: Right. So so the question
0: is... So what I often say is when it comes to politics and religion, do you have any deal breakers? Oh, okay. Yeah. Are there anything... I might say, do you have anything that you would want someone that you're with to believe or anything that you wouldn't want them to believe? And I don't ask that question so that I can argue with them. (laughs) Right. Right? right? Yeah. You you know? Yeah. I mean you gotta think of it in terms of this is a first date. I'm just here to get to know you. I'm not here to argue you down, make you think differently, show you how wrong you are and how right I am. And trust me, there've been many who've answered that question in a way that if I were in a political debate I would wanna get into the to it with them, ask them why they think that you know, get into a whole conversation, which I hate political conversations, but, you know, under different circumstances, maybe I, I would, but this is not an invitation to do that on a first date, just to get to know, just to get to understand, you know, whether they are somebody who you have that kind of compatibility with. Now, I'd say all of that to say, you know, a lot of people are out there not wanting to date people because of their politics. That's the new, uh, one of the new compatibility points besides how they're navigating covid Um, and I, and I don't think that that's necessarily the best compatibility point, but I do think that you can find out a lot about what's important to a person based on how strongly they feel about certain things. So yeah, all of these within the safety bubble, the safety bubble of, I'm not here to fight you. I'm not here to argue you. I'm not here to change you, you, change you. I'm just here to listen and get to know you. To see if, if you know, for me what, as a matchmaker, to see if you're compatible for my match. For you as a dater, to see if you're compatible with me. I'm just looking to explore and find out without attachment. So yeah, that's it. So we do have um, a matchmaker moment, but we're so out of time. And I do want to talk about... I'll bring back the matchmaker moment for next week because it is... Yeah, a beautiful woman in Miami, and I will talk about her next week. But this week, I want to talk no, about dudes are like. Wait, wait, wait. I know, right? <laughs> For anybody listening in Miami, I have a beautiful woman in Miami. But I want to talk about the Epic Circle because the Epic Circle Collective Number no. Two is coming back on Monday. We are premiering with a new twenty-four weeks with a free orientation class. It's every Monday from six to eight p.m. Um, if you would like to join, we, it's an online healing circle for women everywhere. Every Monday night, we come together as a community. We cause personal transformation when it comes to communication, forgiveness, self-love, mother-daughter relationships, purpose, friendships, romantic relationships, just all the tools that we need to be as big as we were meant to be. If you want to join us, there's a meetup page, The Epic Circle. Go join the meetup group and you'll get whatever links that you need in order to be with us on Monday night and that's it i think we need to go ahead and sign off brian we've like gone way over time i wish this i do wish this was two hours thank you so much brian and Solivity so, magazine um, passion purpose living yes it's been a lot of fun thank you for chiming in our instagram at ask for candy podcast at candy love coach at Solivity magazine please follow us on all the instagram channels and email me, candypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. And until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and ask for candy. Love you. Bye, everybody on Facebook. I love you. Bye.
1: Candy, I call my sugar candy because